The Gospels are full of the teachings of Jesus. He spoke to crowds about topics like the kingdom of heaven, generosity, and relationships. But some of his statements were hard to hear, and some appeared nearly impossible to apply. What do we do with these seemingly mic drop moments? Join us as we tackle these one-liner statements in our next series, Jesus Said. Hey, Grace Life, welcome. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody here for the first time. Hey, well, guys, we are so happy that you are here with us today, whether you're here for the very first time live in the room or online, we are thankful that you decided to come and be a part of one of our services. So you may be thinking right now, first, who is that guy and where is Pastor Jimmy? So let me first answer the question, where is Pastor Jimmy? Well, Pastor Jimmy, over this past week or so, has not been feeling good. He has COVID, and so he's home uh, getting better. He's resting up. So he wants you to know that he's praying for you as his church family, and uh, if you would please pray for him too. So don't get too worried. I mean, he, he's gonna be okay, but you know, he, he got it. He, he's not feeling so good, so he's home, he's sick. So if you can, you know, like I said, pray for him, just help him get back on his feet. You know, our prayers work. So let's just pray for him and know that he's gonna be back very soon. I know that we can't wait for him to get back and, uh, and just be a part and just be awesome. So we can't wait for him. Thank you guys, definitely pray for him. Also, the first question I said is, who in the world is this guy? If you guys were here two weeks ago, then you saw that Pastor Jimmy introduced my wife and I. We are brand new here to Columbia, and I'm brand new on staff. In fact, I think I'm the, the newest or one of the newest staff members here at Grace Life. And so I've just been excited about getting to know everyone at Grace Life. First, I just wanna say thank you to every single person that has made our, our new uh, being here such a welcome. I've gotten to know folks in our, in our area, in our neighborhood, and here at Grace Life, and on the team and on the staff, we've been having a great time. But I will say, we're still trying to figure out some of the local area. So I know some of you guys, you guys know where to go, right? You know the restaurants, you know like where to take your kids. My wife and I, we have six children uh, between the ages of five and 15, three boys and three girls. They're fantastic children. And yes, we do know how to make them and that we own a TV and all of those things that everybody says, come on, we know how that works. But listen, the truth is, is we love having a big family. And uh, like I said, we love being a part here at Grace Life. But if you know the, the tips and tricks here to Columbia and you know the places to take a big family, definitely come and see me after the lobby, my wife or I. Uh, she was singing, I think, over here. I don't want to point to the wrong person because that would be awkward, right? But I believe my wife was over here, you know, and you guys were just watching the service and then worshiping with us. And so, uh, again, we just want to say thank you guys so much for welcoming us, and we've been having a great time. We originally come from Naples, Florida. That's where we grew up, both of us. We moved to Fayetteville, North Carolina about 12 years ago. So I haven't always been in ministry. I haven't always been a pastor. I grew up in the construction trade and I started working when I was 15 years old. I don't know that you can really even do that anymore these days, but started working full-time, 15 years old. I think uh, I was in the attic or I was on the other end of a shovel every single day of my life for like three years, you know? If you ever work construction, you know what that's like. And, uh, and God just blessed my time there and I was able to work my way up, my, work my way up to be the, the vice president of a construction company there in Florida. And I was bivocational, meaning that I was pastoring full-time and working at this company full-time too. And I don't know, time just came in my life where I felt like God said, hey, Eric, it's time to make the move to full-time vocational ministry. 
And so I started that process quite a few years ago, going back to school and working on that, and God moved my family and I to Fayetteville, North Carolina a few years ago. I mean, that's a beautiful place. Anybody ever been to Fayetteville, North Carolina? It is nice there. It's so, I mean, the scenery, and I'm just kidding. I'm being sarcastic. That's not true. Um, maybe you guys felt like you needed to go with me. Now, listen, now, we love Fayetteville. I mean, I mean we, we, there's a part of our heart that's still there. We love it. We were there for years, but uh, there's no beach scenery. There's no mountains to climb, per se. That's not the, not the area, but we did, we did love it while we were there. So you know that we are in the middle of a series called Jesus Said, and we're gonna get to that Jesus Said moment in just a minute, but one thing I like to do when I start out preaching is I like to just kind of lighten the mood a little bit. I like to say something funny, even tell a joke. My kids say that I am the best dad joke teller around, okay? The best dad joke teller. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest with you, because dad jokes are usually like the worst of the jokes, right? So I'm the best worst joke teller. Is that what my kids are telling me? I'm not sure. So look, I'm, I'm gonna try one out on you today. So there was a missionary that was walking through the Amazon jungle, and what he was doing is he was going from tribe to tribe to tribe to share the good news of the gospel, tell people about Jesus. That's fantastic. And so he goes from one village to the next, but he's not sure if he's taken enough food with him to the next village. So he kind of walking through the village or walking through the jungle, and he realizes, oh, I'm about to run out of food. Sure enough, the next day, he runs out of food. Well, now he's looking at his water, and he's thinking, I'm not even sure if I have enough water that I've, that I've brought with me on this journey. So the next day, he runs out of food. So now he's crawling on his hands and his feet, and, and, and he's just, he's crawling along, and he sees through an opening a hut on the other side of this clearing. So he says to himself, all right, well, I'm just gonna crawl all the way to that hut and hope that the owner of that hut will take mercy on me when I knock on the door. So he crawls there. He knocks on the door. Sure enough, the owner of the hut opens up the hut, and he just collapses, doesn't even get to say a word. Well, the, the owner of the hut decides to take mercy on him and, and brings him in. After a few weeks of giving him some water and some food, he, he nurses him back to health, and he starts to get strong again. Well, the missionary says, listen, it's time for me to move on. I gotta get to the next village. Would you do me a favor, and would you just point me to the direction of the next village so I can go and buy some supplies? So the owner of the hut says, sure, I can do that. And they walk out of the hut, but the missionary notices a horse that's tied up right there to the side of the hut. So the owner of the hut shows him where to go, and the missionary says, listen, would it be possible if I could borrow your horse? I'll borrow it for just a day or two, and then I'll bring it back, and it'll be good as new, don't worry. Well, the owner says, sure, no problem. You can, you can borrow my horse, but listen, there's something you gotta know. This is, a, this is a very special horse. This is a Christian horse. Guy thinks, well, it's a Christian horse. What does that mean? So listen, if you want the horse to go, you have to say praise God. And if you want the horse to stop, you have to say amen. The guy's thinking, well, that's a little bit weird, but okay, whatever. He goes back in, the owner goes back in the hut, and, and the missionary jumps on the horse, and he's like, I'm not gonna say those words, that's weird. So he, he kind of takes the reins, and he kind of gives the horse a little kick, and the horse doesn't move anywhere at all. He thinks, I don't know, I'll try it, I'll try it. So he says, praise God, and the horse starts to trot forward. That's kind of interesting, but it's going kind of slow and the village is a long way away. So he says, praise God, praise God. And the horse starts moving a little bit faster. He thinks, all right, goes in, into the little trail. He says, praise God, praise God, praise God. And the horse is really moving now. Still kind of a far way. So he says, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. And the horse takes off like a bolt of lightning through the jungle on the trails. He comes to another clearing. But the edge of this clearing is a drop-off that's hundreds of feet below. 
So the guy doesn't know what to do. He's pulling on the reins as hard as he can. He's screaming at the horse, whoa, stop. He remembers all of a sudden, I got to scream amen. So with everything he has, he screams out amen. And the horse stops right before the edge of the cliff. He wipes the sweat off his brow, looks up to heaven, says, praise God. <laughs> Come on, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Look at it. I'm going to go head to head. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Woo. <laughs> Listen, that makes a pastor feel good. I'm just telling you so. Because there's not going to be anything else funny in this whole message. <laughs> no. Listen, that story had absolutely nothing to do with the sermon today. But I promise the next one does. And this next one's a true story. And it's going to lead us right into our Jesus said moment. Okay. Like I said a minute ago, I was bivocational, meaning that I was pastoring full-time and I was working full-time down in sunny Southwest Florida, Naples, Florida. Fantastic area, great vacation spot if you guys ever need one. But while I was there working, I got to meet another one of the, the owners of another company. Actually, he was a manager of another company of one of our supply chains. And so as I'm buying supplies from this guy and supplies from this company, I got to know this guy really, really well. His name was James. We became very close friends. And so one day, James says, hey, listen, I'd love to, you know, hang out one weekend. What, you doing something this weekend? And I said, no, sure, man, that sounds good. What do you want to do? He said, well, I know a shooting range. It's about an hour and a half away. We'll, we'll gather up some guns, and we'll go shooting for the day. What do you think? How does that sound? I said, yeah, man, that sounds like a blast. Let's do it. That's not the joke, but, you know, it's a little bit of a pun, a blast. Come on, God, I'm sorry. I'm just going to leave that alone, yeah. Okay, so we're on our way to the, uh, the shooting range that morning. He comes and picks us up at 8 o'clock. And so as soon as he pulls up to the, the, to the house, to the driveway, God starts to speak to me. Maybe you've had this same thing happen to you, that you know you're about to go do something for the day, but you know God has a purpose and a reason for which you're there. So he pulls up, I get in the car, and I know that God is speaking to me in this moment, that during this trip, he wants me to share my faith some way with this guy. It's about 20 years ago, 18 to 20 years ago in, in this time frame in my life. So we start to drive towards a shooting range, and this pressure is starting to grow inside of me. So now we're about an hour away. We're driving away. About 30 minutes away, 10 minutes away, five, and we pull into the shooting range, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have the whole day, and I have the whole trip back. It's just me and him in the car. We're talking about family and life and marriage and all sorts of things. So I can't really talk while we're shooting because we have like, you know, the eyes and ears on and the whole thing and it's loud and, you know, the guns are firing and the whole deal. And, and so it's just not a good time to talk about anything serious. But we get back in the car at the end of the day and we start to head home. So now on the way home, now the pressure is really starting to build. So now we're about an hour away from the house. And I know all the exits and the mile markers and everything. We're about 30 minutes away from the house. And I'm literally, truthfully, watching the mile markers go by knowing, okay, and I'm this many miles from the house, and this many miles from the house, and this many miles. And now we're getting off the expressway. We're heading south on I-75, right there in Florida. We get off the expressway, and we're on my neighborhood's only five minutes away from the expressway. I'm thinking to myself, how, how am I gonna share the whole story of my faith and how I know Jesus and everything? And, and I'm just so worried about what this guy's gonna think, and, and we're such good friends, and I don't wanna make it awkward for him. It's already awkward for me. And so he drops me off at the house, and God is screaming to me to open up my mouth. He drops me off, take out what's mine. I walk in my house, he drives away. I never do it. I never do it. 
And in that moment, maybe you've had those kind of moments. In that moment, I'm just like, why, Eric, you are an idiot. I'm like, why? Why couldn't you just open up your mouth? God's leading me to, he's sharing with me. But I think, you know, I, I know James. I'm gonna see him again. It's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this right the next time. A few days later, I go into the supply house where James works. Have you ever walked into a place and you just know something's wrong? You, you, just, you just recognize that there's something not right. Maybe, maybe, God, maybe it's God, you just know there's something just not right. So I walk in, and this place is usually hopping. There's, there's people ordering supplies at the counter and all this stuff, and people are paying for things, and it's just really quiet, like eerily quiet. So I see another guy there as a, as a good friend of mine, and so I say, hey, listen, uh, where's, where's James at? He said, oh, man, I'm sorry. Uh, I need to talk to you for a minute about James. Um, you got a few minutes, so I'm dealing with some customers. I said, yeah, sure, no problem. I can wait a few minutes. And, and so I wait the few minutes, and he said, hey, why don't you come in the back? This is kind of a more serious conversation. And at that moment, I, I know that what I've been feeling has been for a purpose. It's been for a reason. There's something wrong. There's something going on. So I walk into the back. This guy's name is Terry. And Terry says, listen, Eric, I don't know how to tell you this, and he doesn't know anything about this past weekend. I don't know how to tell you this, but James passed away this past week, right at the beginning of the week. In fact, man, I don't know how to tell you this, but it's even worse. He took his own life. And in that moment, I mean, I just freeze. You can imagine. I just freeze, and I think to myself, immediately back to those moments in the car, I think to myself, if I could have only just opened up my mouth and said something, who knows? And I don't know, I don't know what happened between that weekend and those few days. I mean, you know, God could have sent anybody. I mean, I believe that our God is sovereign, and I believe that everybody is gonna have to answer for what they do in their life. I, I know that. It's not my responsibility for however James chose or didn't choose or did to live his life, but I also know that in that moment that God absolutely told me to open up my mouth and say something, and I didn't. That is 100% for sure. Both of those things are true. I went into the, I left that facility, I got in my truck, and I cried like a little baby for like 10 minutes. I mean, it was just, I couldn't believe that I hadn't just a few days ago. Obviously, I'm missing my friend, but I'm thinking I had this great shot to talk to him about the Lord. You might not have that story. I hope that you don't. But I think that we all have some type of similar story where we've taken our eyes off of the eternal and we focus them on the temporary. Because the truth is, in that moment, I wasn't thinking about eternity. I wasn't thinking about anything eternal. I was thinking about the moment, that temporary moment and how it might make me feel. In fact, I even kind of talked myself into saying, I don't wanna do it because it might make him feel awkward. The truth is, it wasn't anything about him. It was all about me in that moment. Now, God leads us to do all sorts of things. Maybe he's led you to talk to your dentist, and, and you're going in, or your doctor, and you walk in, and, and God leads you and shares with you something to say, and you get in there, and man, you just, you just can't pull the trigger on it, and, and you don't, because you're a little bit nervous. Maybe it's at a family reunion. Maybe God has done some amazing things in your marriage since the last family reunion, and you know that your cousin or your uncle, or your niece, or your nephew, or somebody's there, and they need to hear about how a marriage can be restored. But the family reunion comes, and a couple days go by, you're at the lake or whatever it is, and you're eating great food, and you just, you just don't ever do it. You don't ever share. Maybe you've had a, a financial victory in your budget that God has 
you know, kind of just impress on you to share with one of your kid's sports coaches. Maybe your kid plays soccer, or maybe it's baseball or football or who knows, or cheerleading. And, and you know that God is, is, is kind of compelling you to share with somebody, one of your kid's coaches, about something great that's happened in your life, but you just haven't been able to get through with that yet. Maybe it's a victory that you've had over a particular sin that you wanted to tell one of the guys in your unit about but maybe he's already left because the training's finished or he PCS'd or he deployed and you just didn't have that shot. The truth is, is I think that every single person in this room or online has probably had a moment where God has led you to do something and you've just decided in the moment that you're not gonna look at eternity, but you're gonna look at the temporary. You know that one of Jesus' disciples had one of these exact same moments. He took his eyes off of eternity for one second. And it seemed like he had a great reason for doing so. But Jesus had something very powerful to say about it. Let's look at Matthew 16. And as we start to look into this set of verses, we're gonna see this exact type of principle that we're gonna be able to draw out of and see what God has for us in our modern day context. So this, this is gonna take place about six months before Jesus went to the cross. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Remember that for a second. We're gonna, we're gonna come back to that. He's gonna to to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and then the third day be raised. So what Jesus is painting here is a picture about him having to go to the cross. So from this point forward, scripture is saying is that Jesus is starting to show his disciples that he's gonna to have to suffer. He's gonna he's going to have to go through some things that maybe they haven't seen him go through before. And Peter, being one of you know, Jesus' close followers, close friends, one of the, the stronger leaders probably of the group, we're gonna see that Peter didn't like it. And we're gonna see that Peter didn't like it specifically because of the suffering element. He didn't want to think for one second that his savior, his king, his friend, his rabbi, his teacher was gonna have to suffer. Maybe there's been a moment in your life where you've had a similar experience. There's been, there's been, there's had something been going on in your life that you don't want to have to go through. Or maybe it's someone else is going through it that you're close to and you don't want them to have to go through. But in this moment, we have to remember to not focus our eyes on the temporary, but keep them on the eternal. Peter doesn't do that, and let's see what happens. Verse 22, and Peter took him aside. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, this idea here, it's a Greek idiom, and it means may God have mercy on you. It might look like when we first see it that we think Peter's mad at Jesus. How dare you say that you would go and do these things? It's not that so much. In fact, it's more that Peter is starting to realize what exactly Jesus is gonna have to do. So he tells Jesus, no, no, listen, almost like forget about eternity, Let's look at the temporary, we gotta stay together, and let's make sure this thing doesn't happen. And Jesus has something to say about it. And in one of the strongest statements, one of the strongest Jesus said moments, we see in verse 23. Jesus says, but he turned, or talking about Jesus, but he turned, and, and let me just pause, this isn't any kind of turn. Again, if you study the Greek here a little bit, it's like a moment, maybe you've had it, where you're kind of focusing on one idea and you change to another. Like, it's abrupt. 
I think about a time when a missionary, or a real missionary, was at our home, and he's telling us all these stories about all these great things that were happening on the mission field. He's telling us about all these people that he's led to the Lord, and, and then some hard things too, some refugee camps that he's been in, and some horrible suffering that he's seen, and, and some, some just atrocious things that he's had to be a part of. And right when he's done, I mean, he's crying. The whole, our whole family's crying, me and my wife and my six kids and, and this missionary. I mean, he's still a good friend of mine to this day. He, he's talking and he's crying. Right when he's done saying this, one of my kids, or a little younger at the time, he says, will you pass the mashed potatoes? Like, right in that moment. You know, my, you know what I did? My dad vision went, <laughs> what in the world are you doing, kid? Please stop. It's like one of those moments. Jesus is with the disciples. Peter says this. Jesus is probably thinking about something. And, and according to the Greek, Jesus, whatever he's got his mind on, he zeroes in on Peter. And this is what Jesus says. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance. That is not what I want to hear. If I'm Peter, if I'm one of the disciples, to be honest with you, I bet you if my, my spiritual ears my spiritual uh, you know, ability to be in tune and the ride with James would have been there with Jesus that day, he probably would have said something very similar to me. Because what Peter was doing essentially was the exact same thing I was doing is that we were taking our eyes off of the eternal and putting it on the temporary for just a second. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. Why? For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, we all have this opportunity in every day of our lives to decide how it is that we're gonna move forward in our lives. Are we gonna choose to focus on the temporary or are we gonna focus on the eternal? And every day of our lives, as we live them, we have to ask ourselves this question. How often do you think you prepare for life now instead of the life that's coming? Because we all have that opportunity we all have that choice. We're gonna walk out of service today or, or you're gonna walk on to uh, uh, something that you're doing next that when you're worshiping with us online. And if you're here live with us, maybe you're gonna walk into a restaurant after service or you're gonna go home and a waiter or a waitress is gonna come up. And in that moment, we have to decide what are we gonna focus every day of our life, every decision we make, every situation we walk into is really just a series of moments just like Peter had to decide, is he gonna focus on the temporary or is he gonna focus on the eternal? You know, in Matthew 16, just before this story, Peter got it right. And in fact, one of the, the shining moments for Peter in Matthew in his life is in Matthew 16. If you remember the story, Jesus, there's a crowd of people, they're at a, a, specific, a specific spot, um, in Israel, and so there's this crowd of people gathered, and he asked the disciples, hey, who do people say that I am? Maybe you remember the story, and people say, oh, people think you're Jeremiah or Isaiah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets. So now he makes it a little bit more personal, and he asks the disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, in kind of the shining moment, just before this part we just read, in the shining moment, says, well, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus, in the same idea, steps back. is like, Peter, you got it. You're the man. That's right. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. Peter Peter's, you know, did a great thing there. And then we see just a few verses later what happens is that Peter completely blows it. In just one minute, my point is that in just one minute, we can take our eyes from the eternal to temporary just like that. Just like that. In fact, sometimes when we're doing really well, it's a little bit of pride that kind of comes in and we say to ourselves, oh, I got this. 
I got this. And then we have that opportunity. So listen again, let me ask you a question. How often do you think you prepare for life now instead of the life that's coming? I have a visual aid that might help us answer this question just a little bit. If you are here last week, um, we had a great uh, pastor come and preach. Uh, his name was David McQueen. He had a pretty cool visual too. It was like a barbell that he threw on his shoulders. Um, this isn't quite that cool. Uh, this is just a rope, but it's heavy at times, you know. I mean, yeah, no, it's not heavy at all. It's just a light rope. Okay, listen, let's, I want you to use your imagination with me for just a second, okay? Imagine this rope never ends. It's only about 25 feet or something like that, but let's just imagine it never ends. Let's imagine the rope goes out of the building, it goes around the city, around Columbia, South Carolina, the United States, around the world a few times, whatever you want to imagine, but it truly never ends, okay? Now, imagine that this life or this rope represents your life. So this rope represents your life. It just goes on and on and on and on. In fact, Scripture tells us that we are created with a soul that will never die. So we are going to live forever. Once we're created, we are going to live forever. So just think about that for a second. And then this little part of the rope right here that's tape blue, this part right here represents our time on earth. Okay, this part right here represents our time on earth. All of this other part that goes on forever and ever and ever and ever, I would say millions and millions or billions of years. I think, man, that seems like a long time. No, it's much longer than that. Millions and millions and billions and billions and trillions of years. And then we have this little time that we have right here on earth. I know that one day I'm gonna stand before Jesus. It's at this moment right here. <laughs> at this moment, in my timeline, right here, me and you, every single one of us, we are gonna stand before God. We all are, every single one of us. And now, I think because of things that have happened, like my story with James, I live my life here for here and here and here and here and here, and for the millions and millions of years I'm gonna have in eternity with my God. The problem is sometimes we take our lives and we live for like this little minute right here. Right here, we live for this little minute right here. For some of us, we might be spending our whole life living for this little section right here called retirement. <laughs> this is little bitty spot right here. If we could just get to here, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And this spot? And what about this spot? And all these, what? I mean, it's gonna be eternity, guys. So I think what we need to do is we need to live thinking while we live here in this spot, we need to be thinking about this spot here. I need to be thinking about here. Why would we want to forget about this and live for here thinking like this is never going to come? Man, we, know, we don't want to do that. What an opportunity. And let me tell you, and you know this already, you don't get to do this spot again. And it says in Scripture, at least in part, what we do in this life has to do with what happens here and here and here and here. That's the truth. When we look at our lives Let's remember, one is that we wanna live every day as though we are gonna meet Jesus because we are. And then also, let's not forget that we have an opportunity. It's really a blessing. It's the favor of God that we get to have this life that we might have eternal life with him. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything that we do in this life to justify us or make us right. We've already talked about that or Jesus already talked about that in Matthew. It is only because of what Jesus does on the cross that allows us to have eternal life with him, 100%. I believe that. We have to just, we, we have to let that, let that be okay with us inside of our soul. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves right with God. That's not what I'm talking about. 
But what I am talking about is that after we know him, he does call us to do things for him while we are still here on planet earth. That is 100% true. So what would it look like for you to live your life looking beyond the grave? What would it look like? What does it look like for us to do that? If you find yourself in a spot like I did and like Peter did, focusing on, on the now instead of the life to come, I want you to know that you're in good company, obviously. I told you my story. We just looked at Peter's story. Every single person in this room and online has had those moments. But Peter did eventually learn to keep his focus on the things to come. He did, he learned. You know, sometimes in our lives, the strongest rebukes that come from God are those moments where he pulls us aside and says, hey, listen, I got something I need you to learn. And with Peter, I mean, he just said, hey, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. In that moment, listen, if I'm being honest, I was a hindrance to God. Like he, he had something, he, he, he had planned for that moment, right? I'm not saying I reworked his plan. I'm just saying that he had something he was leading me to do and I didn't do it. So all of us in these moments have these chances, but Peter learned from his moment. I'll be honest with you, at that moment, the idea of suffering and all those things, he hadn't learned. He didn't understand. In fact, it's not till years later when he's penning the book of 1 Peter. Now, years later, Peter, Jesus has gone, he's given his life, he's rose again from the dead, he's ascended to heaven, and now Peter is writing a book to the outside province of Rome. Uh, Peter at this time was the, one of the pastors at the church in Rome. And so now he's writing to the outside province of Rome. It's what modern day Turkey is today. And he writes this in 1 Peter 4, verse 12. He says, dear friends, this is like the opposite. It's almost like, is this the same guy that we just saw in Matthew 16? Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So if, this group of churches is going through something specific. We don't have time to get into that. But what Peter's saying is, hey, you're going through some stuff. Don't be surprised. In fact, it's actually a part of the process. Verse 13 says, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that, why would you wanna do that? So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Meaning that, this is what Peter's saying, because he got it, he got it now. He's saying, listen, as we live out our lives, as we live out our lives, the things that we might be going through, the things that we need to learn from are the things that we have the most potential to grow in later in our future. If God is gonna rebuke you in something, you have more opportunity to learn and grow in that moment than almost anything else in your life. You know, we have six children, like I told you, and, and there's two different types of disobedience. There's private disobedience and there's public disobedience. You know the kids that are the easiest to correct? Those have public disobedience because you know what's going on. The kids that are private and never share anything with you, you have to really dig in. So the opportunities that we have to be corrected is just an opportunity for us to be obedient to Christ. And that's exactly what Peter's saying here to the churches. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you might be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Remember that spot at the road. When we cross over from this life to the next, when our life here on earth finishes, we're gonna be overjoyed when his glory is revealed and we, re we realize what all of those moments where we chose not to live in the temporary, but we chose to live in the eternal, how much that mattered. The truth is sometimes we don't know how much each moment matters. We really don't. That moment with James, I mean, that's like eye-opening. That's a reality check. Okay, I know that. 
Today when I'm at lunch, who knows? Who knows? You really don't. You don't always understand it. It says in verse 14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So even more, while we're living this life, the spirit of God is resting on us and we're blessed because of the things that we get to go through. Peter didn't understand this. This is six months before Jesus is about to go to the cross and Peter doesn't get it. But at some point in his life, because of that rebuke, he gets it and he chooses to live life looking beyond the grave. I wanna challenge you. What would it look like to live life with eternity in mind, practically? Because I know that it's very easy just to say those things. I mean, I do it, everybody does it. Yeah, I'm gonna live for the eternal, not the temporary. You have to kind of zero it in a little bit. And I'm not telling you that you need to not go to work tomorrow and just stay home and read the Bible and pray. That's not what I'm saying, okay? If God leads you to that, I mean, obey God, of course, but that's not what I'm saying in general. I'm asking you this, what would it look like to live life with eternity in mind? What would it look like to live life parenting with eternity in mind? When your kid comes home on Tuesday and they have some math homework, what would it look like to encourage your kid in their math homework with eternity in mind? Because you probably had a long day at work. They probably had a long day at school. And you know, when that comes together, and I use math because nobody likes math. There's like two of you in the room that like math. All the rest of us don't, okay? That's just the truth. And so what does it look like to parent a kid with eternity in mind and not live in the temporary? What does that look like in that moment? What does it look like to live as a spouse with eternity in mind? My wife and I, if you're here in February and we kind of gave our marriage testimony, we did not live like this at all for a season of years. Now I think we do. I mean, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but we do. We live our lives with eternity in mind. We wanna treat each other as though one day we're gonna stand before Jesus for the way that we treat each other. That's true. We're gonna give an account. What does it look like to be a student and live with eternity in mind? What does it look like to be an employee or an employer or a friend or a boss? What does it it look like to be a boss with uh, eternity in mind? What does it look like to be a teacher or a soldier or an officer? What does it look like to live with eternity in mind specifically? That's the only way you're gonna win the battle is if you make it very specific. The truth is, is that your life matters. Your life matters. Your day-to-day matters. The way you live and the lens in which you live your life matters. You must live life every day. Peter's perspective shifted for just an instance, just an instance. Can you imagine this didn't happen? It would have never happened. But think for a second, what if Jesus would have been talked into what Peter wanted him to do? What if Jesus's perspective would have shifted for just an instance? What if Jesus would have said, I'm not gonna focus on eternity and focus on the temporary instead? He's our savior, he's God, he's 100% perfect, he's sinless, I mean, I'm That's true, but what if he would have changed his mind and did what Peter wanted? That's powerful to think about. I think it's just as powerful to think about that we have the opportunity to switch from the temporal to the eternal. And when we do that, it's just as powerful for the world that we live in. It's not just if, oh, what would Jesus have done? No, what would happen if we truly lived our lives focusing on the things that God has called us to? Maybe the idea has never even crossed your mind about having an eternal perspective. Maybe you've never thought about it. But I promise you, 
that Jesus has thought about it for you already. He's already thought about it. That's what all the suffering was about. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He knew right in that moment, hanging on the cross, that he was suffering for you. Suffering for you. He was suffering that we might have an eternal perspective, that we might be made right with Jesus. In just a minute, I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray two things. The first thing I'm gonna pray is that if we're here today and we already know him, that if there's some areas in our life that maybe God's speaking to us about today, maybe the Holy Spirit's just coming in and he's helping us realize, yeah, there are a few areas where I'm living for the temporary and not the eternal. If that's you, hey, don't worry. Peter got it, short, got it sorted out. He got it straightened out and you can too. It's just about going to Jesus and ask him to help you live with that perspective. It's really a choice more than anything. Most of us, I think, truthfully, already know. We already know what we're supposed to do. We already feel and hear God speaking to us. It's not that. It's more of, hey, we're gonna walk it out in action. Most of us know more about God than we could ever put into action the rest of our lives. Most of it has to do with us just truly walking it out and doing it. So let's go before God and ask him to give us his favor, to give us his wisdom, to help us be carriers of the presence of God everywhere, everywhere we go and help us to actually do it. That's the first prayer. The second prayer I'm gonna pray for us here in just a second is maybe you're here and you've never thought about that eternal perspective. I promise you that Christ, your King, has already thought about it for you. He's been thinking about it since the day you were born and he's been thinking about it for, for eternity past, actually. There's never been a moment in which he hasn't been thinking about it if you can think about it like that. That's how important it is to him. Let's go before the Lord and just give him a moment to do a work in each and every one of our hearts. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we come before you today. Lord, we need you in every area of our life. Lord, we need you to come and do a work inside of us. We know some things about you. We know that these things are true, but today we come and we say, we wanna take action on them. So you might have something going on in your life right now where you know you're kind of focusing on the temporary. Ask him to help you, to give you faith, to give you strength, to give you favor. Lord, maybe even under your breath, Lord, help me to switch my perspective from the temporary to the eternal. I promise he'll walk with you every step of the way. Father, I pray that you would help us do that. I pray that you would help me do that, always. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never made Christ your King. You've never made Jesus your Lord. Maybe this morning you've never thought about eternity. Well, now's the moment. Right this second is the time to do it. I promise you, I promise you, everything has already been prepared for you. We talked about that in worship today. We can live from a position of victory. We don't have to fight our battles because Jesus has already beaten, has already won everything for us on the cross, it's done. So today, as we come before the Lord, we may just wanna tell him, hey, I wanna shift my life from a temporary perspective to an eternal perspective. I wanna make you my Lord. I wanna make you my King. I'm gonna say a prayer. You don't have to repeat out loud if you don't want. You can whisper it under your breath. You can even say it even in your mind as we sit here together. I'm gonna say this prayer and I'd encourage you, if that's the position that you're in, if you would simply repeat it after me. Dear God, I come before you today and I make you my king. I believe that Jesus came to, into this planet to live a perfect life for me, which I could not do for myself. And he died on the death for me, died on the cross for me, that I might have eternal life with you. Father, we thank you 
be with those or make that decision for the very first time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Come on, guys, let's put our hands together for all those that made that decision for the very first time.